And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. All right, don't tweet any of those things, though. That that would be bad today. I mean, you can. You can still tweet to Stan and Craig. And I don't know if that, when they'll get back to you. They're both kind of busy today. Stan's down in Ocean City. Uh, the Ravens uh, Roost event, it's like the Council of Ravens Roost Parade. It happens every year in Ocean City. And Stan, I guess, is the MC for the parade this morning, which... Um, Apparently, he thinks is more important than doing his own show. I yeah, don't know what that's I all about, Brittany. I don't know why he thought that would be okay. Yeah, all right. Going to go down to Ocean City for the day. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I got it. No worries, Stan. I got things here. And uh, Craig, I don't even know what Craig's doing, honestly. I the, the Nationals play this afternoon, maybe? Probably. I'm assuming he's got the Capitals game tonight. But yeah. I guess the Nationals must have an afternoon game today, and so that's the reason why he's not here. So it's me, Glenn Clark, hanging out with Brittany this morning on the bat around. And I'm happy to be here. Um, un- unfortunately, I wish I was happy to be talking about baseball. Mm, aren't we all? Don't <laughs> we all wish that? Sort of what it is at this point. It's, um, I don't know what there really is to say. The Orioles lost again last night. Stunner of stunners as they fell 4-1 to the Yankees to, uh, open the series after Thursday night's game was rained out. Uh, they'll try again today. At least the Orioles are hosting a pleasant event today, and we're going to get into that during the course of today's show. Brittany, I actually don't know how old you are. I know that you were you've been in college, so I'm guessing you're 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 younger than the movie The Sandlot. Yes, but I've seen The Sandlot. I'm twenty one. Okay, so. all right. So The Sandlot uh, is one of the most important movies of my lifetime. It, uh, absolutely. It is it is the movie that means so much to me I could not possibly explain it. Um I, I was ten years old when The Sandlot came out. Uh it, it hit exactly what I, you know, like, it was meant for me when it came out um, in 1993. And it stayed with me forever to the point where every 4th of July, I sit down previously with friends, actually once upon a time with my own family, like my parents, and then with friends as I got older, and now with my family as in my kids, and I watch The Sandlot every year on the 4th of July the way that some people watch A Christmas Story every year on December 25th, right? Or watch It's a Wonderful Life or whatever it is that you, whatever your tradition might be. Some people on Thanksgiving watch planes, trains, and automobiles every year, right? Like there's just certain, there's certain movies that you associate with certain days. And for me in my life, it's the Sandlot and the 4th of July and it has gone nowhere. It is something that I have done religiously every year. Even a few years ago, I was in uh, Arizona on the 4th of July visiting some friends, and um, my best friend out in Arizona said, dude, we're going to watch the Sandlot together, right? I'm like, hell yeah, we are. <laughs> you kidding me? You damn, ready for that. You're damn right. <laughs> ben and the Jets stealing home, man. We're not missing that. So uh, the Orioles are celebrating. This year is the 25th anniversary of the movie The Sandlot, and the Orioles are celebrating it with Sandlot Night, which is by far and away the most pleasant thing they've done. <laughs> Like, right, for sure. I, I, I can't encourage you to go to the game today because of the game. I mean, if you want to, by all means. Kevin Gosman, Masahiro Tanaka, enjoy. The Orioles probably won't score any runs. That's uh, that's what they do. That's sort of their bit. I cannot suggest that today is going to be pleasant from a baseball standpoint. But after the game, 
the Orioles are going to show the Sandlot on the big screen, and they're going to. If you have a special ticket for today's game, you have to purchase a ticket for Sandlot night. You'll get this Orioles Sandlot T-shirt, and then you can go down on the field and watch the movie from the outfield, which is something that you don't typically get to do. Right. You don't normally. They don't just invite people down to the field at uh, Camden Yards. Typically, if somebody uh, sneaks onto the field, they invite you to jail afterwards. <laughs> Today, <laughs> right. you can actually go and watch the movie afterwards. So it's a really, really cool thing that the Orioles are doing. And we're going to continue all week on my show, Glenn Clark Radio. We've been celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Sandlot. We've had some of the various actors from, from that were the kids in the movie now, 25 years later, we had uh, Tom Geary on the other day. He played uh, Scotty Smalls, of course, the, the, the main character in the film. And then uh, yesterday we had uh, Shane Abedzinski, who played uh, uh, Tommy Timmons. Um, and then we actually had the writer, director, and narrator of the movie, David Mickey Evans, on the show this week. Today we're going to have a couple more of the kids on. As a little bit later on in the program, we're going to hear from uh, Marty York, who was, yeah, 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 yeah. He looks really crappy, dude. Uh, we'll have Marty on the show this morning. And then the great Hambino himself, Patrick Renna, who played Hamilton Ham Porter, the catcher for the Sandlot. Um, he will join us a little bit later on in the program this morning as well. So, uh, again, some of you will say, yeah, the Sandlot doesn't mean exactly to me what it means to you. Okay, I'm being self-serving. Deal with it. That's just the way it's going to be. And the Orioles are celebrating the Sandlot today, too. And it's better than talking about Orioles baseball right now. That's so true. That's and what I we're feel like if you're a fan of baseball, you have to be a fan of the Sandlot. You better be. <laughs> and, and, like, and it extends, like, it is a baseball movie. And we're going to talk about that in a second, Brittany. It's a baseball movie, no question. But it's the Sandlot in particular is so much more. Like there are some baseball movies, like Bull Durham is funny no matter who you are. But you kind of have to get minor league baseball in order to get Bull Durham. You know what I mean? Like right. you kind of have to understand what minor league baseball players go through and the nature of the game in order to fully appreciate Bull Durham. The Sandlot is a coming of age film that just so happens to be based around baseball, right? Like it's way more. Like, you would compare The Sandlot way more to, like, Stand By Me and movies like that that were more coming-of-age types of movies than you would compare it to, say, you know, The Natural or one of those other types of baseball movies. Um, and that's what I think is the greatness of The Sandlot is that you don't you don't have to really be a baseball fan. It's cool. If you are, you probably appreciate all that much more. But you don't necessarily have to be a baseball fan in order to fully appreciate The Sandlot. And I think that's what made the movie kind connect with so many people for so long it's 25 years later and you know you just talk about the sandlot with any group of friends how many how many people do you know that still have dressed up as squints and wendy peppercorn for halloween one year i mean it's crazy it's yeah it crazy. just keeps going like it, it's not gonna die no doubt no doubt so uh, that's cool, and we'll talk about that during the course of the show. We will talk some Orioles baseball. Joining us in a little bit, Rich Dubroff, Pressbox Orioles beat writer. Um, I, I don't know what else there is to talk about with Rich. Zach, Zach Britton's on a rehab assignment, so we'll talk more about how he's looked and when we're going to see Zach Britton back in Baltimore and um, then when they're going to trade him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have him back and <laughs> right. then let him leave. Right. Well, look, the, the idea is uh, the, the, the only good news is that there was some concern when he got hurt about whether or not he'd be back long enough for them to be able to showcase him before the trade deadline. If he, you know, he pitched really well last night in his appearance for Bowie. If he continues on this pace right now, they're going to have him back for a month and a half, if not a little bit more than that, before July 31st. That's more than enough time for Zach Britton to come back and at least show that the sinker works. I don't know that he's going to have any save opportunities between now and July 31st. 
Because the Orioles don't get save opportunities. They're already too far behind. Yeah, but, um, you know, at least he'd be able to get into some games and remind everybody, hey, you know that pitch that everybody thinks is the best in baseball? I can still throw it. Um, and so that's going to be what the Orioles are going to look to see from Zach Britton over the coming weeks. We'll talk more about that with Rich Dubroff. And speaking of trades, uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today wrote a piece uh, this week about various trade possibilities for a lot of teams at the trade deadline. Of course, headlined by Manny Machado, but Zach Britton's in there, Brad Brock's in there as well. We'll talk to him about all of those various things. It, the, all of the conversation right now regarding Manny Machado is sort of centered around two teams the Cubs and the Phillies. Those are the two teams the conversation is almost 100% centered around at this point. That doesn't mean there isn't another team that might end up in the conversation between now and July 31st or that there isn't a team we're not thinking of that that is logical and we just haven't really figured out why they're logical. We had Ken Singleton on my show yesterday, of course, the former Oriole with the Yes Network, and, and he's convinced the Yankees are not a factor for Manny Machado and not just not now like it was always gonna be a long shot the Orioles were gonna trade Manny Machado to the Yankees because it's in the division but he doesn't even think they're a factor to sign Manny Machado in the offseason he thinks the Yankees are are very happy with Andahar and Gregorius and even if Gregorius doesn't stick around long term Torres perhaps being their shortstop of the future he thinks that they are set on the left side of the infield and that given the fact that the Yankees haven't just spent money blindly in recent years he thinks they'll use their money to address pitching which if you look at that roster you probably say hey that's that is their area of need um Masahiro Tanaka starts today he's got a 4.62 ERA and of late he had been one of their better starters um, I, I think that he's right, that the pitching would be where they'd want to throw money, not necessarily at a spot on the field where there is no hole right now. So it's interesting because I think a lot of us have worked under the assumption that this is the Yankees. The Yankees are going to be in on Manny Machado because the Yankees are going to be in on Manny Machado. And his argument is he just doesn't think they are. He doesn't think that's going to be, which is great news for us because it would really make me sick. I like... I. It's, it sickens you enough that Manny Machado is not going to be an Oriole moving forward. The notion of him going to a team like the Yankees that is already loaded with young talent and has money and looks like they're going to be competing for titles for the next decade or so again, the notion of him going there and like winning three World Series and us having to, to stomach that for the next decade, yeah, that would be a bit too much to take. So hopefully Ken Singleton's right. I can live with Manny Machado going to the National League and – not having to see him all that much. It's like when you break up with somebody, right, Brittany. Exactly. You know what I mean? You like, see him occasionally. It's, but it's it way more difficult if it's somebody that like has infiltrated your group of friends. Right. You know, to the point where your friends are like, dude, you know, what are we supposed to do? Not not invite him around? You know what I mean? Like we've been hanging out with him for the last couple of years. It's way easier when it's somebody that you break up with and you just have two completely separate groups of friends. It's very unlikely that you're going to see each other. You don't know that there was someone hotter at that point. Like, you have no idea that they've done far better than you after the breakup, right? Like, you know, you've been keeping to yourself and eating too much ice cream and the whole thing. Meanwhile, they look amazing and they've moved on to bigger and better things, right? Like, like winning World Series. Right, correct. Like yes. winning World Series. You know how many of my exes have gone on to win the World Series? Yeah, all of them. Uh, <laughs> So I, I would just prefer to not have to deal with that in my life. You know what I mean? I'd prefer to be able to go to my my corner bar and not see my ex sitting there every night. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm okay with Manny Machado with the Cubs. I'm okay with Manny Machado in Philadelphia. I'm okay with Manny Machado in those places. Manny Machado with the Yankees, 
I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick, and I'm just going to end up drinking myself to sleep every night and probably gaining 40 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, don't need... 100% agree I, with I that. I don't need that in my life. All right, um, so we're going to talk some of that during the course of today's show. I, I do want to do... So there's a, there's a feature that I do on my show. It's called Definitive Power Rankings, and it's where, for funsies, we will take a topic, and we will accept input from various people, listeners... We will then try to create a list, a definitive show list for that particular topic. And because we're celebrating the Sandlot this morning, I'd like to do at some point this morning, whenever we can get to it, and I'm gonna, uh, I want you to get your thoughts in. You can tweet me at Glenn Clark Radio. You can get me on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Glenn Clark Radio, in the comments section on uh, the video this morning as well. You can, if you're watching us at Facebook.com/slash Pressbox Sports, any of those places, you can get me uh, Glenn Clark Radio at Gmail.com. You can email me there. There's so many options. Give me your definitive power rankings for the best baseball movies ever made. You can go as deep as you want. This isn't like, give me your top five. Although if you go to like 20, I'm probably going to stop reading at some point. But work the list. And it's important. Number one being your definitive number one. As far as you want to go, if you go past 10, I I mean, I don't know that I'm going to care at that point. But give me your personal definitive power rankings for the best baseball movies ever made. And before we get out of here today, we're going to try to put together a show definitive power rankings for the best baseball movies ever made. So, Brittany, think about that as well during the course of the morning. So that's what's on tap. Unfortunately, probably not a lot of uh, of fun conversation regarding the Orioles, just the way that it goes. You know, Stan is going to be coming back from the beach today, so i got to imagine that he'll be stopping by Big Bats. we got to talk about Ken Island's original sports bar, 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to and from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. It's also a great place to watch the O's or the Nats or tonight, perhaps, to watch the Capitals as they play Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. And you can sample the best bar grub, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. It's all there at Big Bats. Check them out on your way to and from the beach the next time you're going down. Joining us now as he joins Stan and Craig every week here on the Bat Around, Pressbox Orioles beat writer Rich Dubroff is with us. Rich, it's uh, it's great to be able to double up and chat with you again this week. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes this morning. Uh, good morning, Glenn. How you doing? Everything is good, sir. Everything is good. So, I, okay, I, I know that you and I have talked about a lot of these things ad nauseum, so I'm going to try to find a different direction to go with this conversation if possible. One thing that you and I haven't talked about as much at this point has been some of these guys that have struggled and don't appear to be offering a lot at the major league level. And when the Orioles maybe might start thinking about parting ways with a couple of these guys and giving those opportunities to younger players, a la Cedric Mullins, who I know you wrote about this week. Do you think there's a date coming in the next couple of weeks where that could be the type of thing the Orioles start thinking about doing? Yes. Uh, I think that date's here. Um, I mean, I asked, Buck Showalter last night where they're, you know, they said, well, you've tried many different things. You know, you've juggled the lineup, you know, moved personnel around. Is there anything else you can do? And he said, well, he and Dan Duquette talk every day and that, um, that, that they talk about different options. And they're, you know, they were going to meet last night again. And uh, I, I, I keep thinking that it was already going to be done. I was kind of surprised that Mullins uh, wasn't, promoted directly from double a yeah 
to the to the big leagues. I mean, he he was promoted yesterday to AAA, and you know, I, I think that you know one of the names that you and I have talked about is currently unavailable, and that's DJ Stewart. Yeah, uh, and he has a hamstring. You know, he has a hamstring issue. <coughs> Sorry, um, but I think that you know when he gets back and and uh, and you know he starts to hit a little little bit more again. I think he's a you know somebody who you'll see. Another guy I think that you have a good chance of seeing is Steve Wilkerson, who had a uh, who had a uh, fifty game suspension to start the season because of a banned substance, and he's just playing for the first week now in Triple uh, A. And I think had he been with the club in spring training, he may well have been that utility guy. The only difficult thing is that as I hear you list these names, you know, Wilkerson being the one, I guess, option, that, that there's not a lot of infield depth. There's just not a lot of... No, yeah. I, I mean, there, there, we've talked about that, you know, we've talked about that from spring training on. Yeah. Um, there, is not, there, is no, uh, there is no infield depth other than Wilkinson, Wilkerson, and he's, you know, basically second and third baseman. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's not great, but at least now they have, but that's one more option really than they had earlier this year. I mean, it's a better option probably than Angel Dielma who's hurt or Luis Sardinius who was hurt and now is, you know, back at Norfolk. So I think that, uh, you know, I, I think Wilkerson at least is, is something to look at. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who a lot of people are intrigued with, is at uh, you know, Bowie, but his infield skills are yeah. questionable at best, and yeah. he probably doesn't project as a you know a shortstop or third base at the at the big league level. So I, I think that you know they're going to have to go out and get some infielders. I think when they you know when they make a trade for Machado, that an infielder is going to have to be part of what they bring back. Right, because they just don't have it. Yeah, like it's just not there. Right, whatsoever. they're gonna, you know, yeah. they're, if they take him away, they're gonna have to get, you know, they're gonna have to get something else because you know there, there's there really, as we just said, isn't a lot in the uh, in the farm system right now. So Zach Britton, I know, made another appearance last night uh, with the Bay Sox. What's the timeline now for Zach? I, I think it's pretty. Qu- I think it's pretty quick. Uh, probably when they get back from their their road trip. You know, they're going to. Um, New York to play the Mets for two games to, uh, to Toronto for four games. I think when they get back, you'll probably see. <coughs> sorry, Britain back, um, and uh, you know he's going to go. He pitched uh, as he said for Bowie last night, his second appearance. Probably pitch in AAA, maybe a couple of back to backs, and then uh, and then and then you know you'll see him in a week or so. This is going to sound like a weird question because, of course, when Zach Britton returns, he's the closer. But knowing that they want to showcase Zach Britton in the coming weeks and realizing that they just simply haven't had many closing opportunities, do you think there will be a strategy to sort of make sure Zach Britton pitches a certain amount of time so that teams can see that he's got the sinker working and that he's still Zach Britton? Sure. I think that that's, you know, that, that's important. But, you know, one of the interesting things also, Glenn, is that Brad Brock, who had a really tough start to the season, yeah, he's pitching really well. Pitched really well the last month, and he's made himself, uh, you know, an option for for other teams to to you know to go out and get too. So, uh, but you know, and, and Brit and Brock has pitched 
well here the last month without having a lot of those closing opportunities. So, you know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had as many, uh, you know, chances to pitch. He hasn't pitched regularly. It, it just seems like Richard Blyer has uh, gotten a lot of them. You know, Michael Gibbons hasn't gotten uh, the normal uh, amount of work. I, you know, if the team had been playing well, you would see a lot of those Gibbons, Gibbons, Blyer, and Brock uh, games. Right, but, right. Uh, so far, yeah, you just, haven't seen a lot. Just of hasn't been the case. Rich Duperoff, press box. <laughs> Orioles beat writer is with us here on the bat around on a Saturday morning. Um, uh, Colby Rasmus is back on a, an assignment. Like, is is there a guarantee that Colby Rasmus is back on this roster, or, 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 or what is the strategy with Colby Rasmus? Well, I want to see if he can hit. Yeah. You know, um, they, they can. You know, he he hasn't played in almost two months. Last night was his, uh, you know, his first game since I think it was April seventh. So that's a long, you know, that's a long absence, uh, other than playing the extended spring games. And you know, he's got to he's got to show that he can uh, that he can hold up. Uh, his return is not his return is not imminent. Uh, the Orioles need that left-handed hitting outfielder. And at least he would provide that left-handed hitting outfielder. So it, it's not. It, it, this isn't. This isn't happy talk here. Glenn, you <laughs> I know, know, Rich. I know. I know. It's really tough. This is why we're talking about the Sandlot this week. You know what I mean? Like this is what happens when you're a going movie, through. I, I'm a, a movie. A movie. I'm totally on. I, I understand. Okay. I understand. That's. I, and as I learned. Oh, so you and I actually did this the other day. You know, we're doing definitive power rankings of baseball movies this morning. In honor of that, you said Bull Durham and Major League are your one and two, right? Yeah, no, and I guess League of Their Own. I That's would put League one. of Their Own. It's a really own. good one. I think those would be. And then there were a couple that I watched when I was a uh, when I was a kid that were old then. You know, like uh, there's a great movie about Grover Cleveland Alexander, okay. starring Ronald Reagan, called <laughs> The Winning Team. I, I, it's the first time I've ever heard of it, but I, I would... yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they used to show. They, you know, when I was a kid, they used to show it. Uh, on TV, and it was old. You know, it was old then. Okay, yeah, that sure. Was, uh, right. That was re- that was really good. But then, you know, I'm not really a, a field of I'm not really a field of, field of dreams. I've guy. always thought the field of dreams was just super weird, Rich. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't it, a I wasn't a I was I, wa- I wasn't a huge fan. I like the natural. Like, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I it's but I I don't know. Like, I field of dreams. Just I remember like everybody. It was so iconic, and I finally watched it when I was like a little bit older. I want to say probably was around college when I finally watched it the first time, and like it it just kind of creeped me out. Like, ease his pain. I'm like, what? I mean, ease his pain. What? This is a weird movie, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, it it never it never it never did anything. For were you, me. I'm were, more of a real. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more of a realistic guy. That's why I like something <laughs> like major. That's why I like something like major. Right, right. I hear you, man. I completely hear you. Hey, one other thing I wanted to address with you before we let you go, and I appreciate the time. I heard Buck talking the other day about the unbalanced schedule again, and mm-hmm. I, it's a conversation that I feel like kind of goes away. Like you know, we'll hear somebody talk about. Well, it, it goes away because nobody. It goes away because nobody really wants it. Yeah, is that the okay? So, so is is there any is there any push at all around baseball to change it, or is it just sort of no. like okay? I mean, there there's, there could be. I mean, the commissioner is talking about various things, various ways that he'd like to he'd like to change the game. Uh, but first of all, the the union and the uh, <laughs> and 
the ownership are not getting along real well these days. Yeah, yeah. And the ownership first would have to agree on everything. Uh, they wanted to put a pitch clock in this year, and even though they uh, the play the players objected, they, they they could have put it in unilaterally, but they decided not to to see if they could uh, get the, the pace of game down, and, and they didn't. And in order to in, in order to have an unbalanced schedule or uh, or have a uh, you know or, or or have realignment, I mean that would be that would cause a lot of issues. You know, there's a reason actually the Orioles shouldn't be for a balanced schedule, and that's financially. Right. You know, when the Orioles play the Yankees and the Red Sox, a they draw a whole in. lot more yeah. than they do when they play the Indians or the Twins. So there, there are good reasons for not uh, being for that balanced schedule. Yeah, and that's the re- you know like I, it, and that's the tough part is that Buck obviously I understand where he's coming from and certainly from a competitive standpoint it, it would make the most sense to want to have teams play as similar schedules as possible. But yeah, from a business standpoint, the ownership of the Orioles says you want us to give up games against the Yankees or Red Sox in order to play more games against the Kansas City Royals? No, thank you. Yeah, I mean that's what that's basically what it that's basically what it is. You know, there's another way he was also talking about with this total realignment, which is geographic realignment, which actually, to me, is more is more attractive, and that would ha- sort of have the Orioles, you know, the Orioles and the Nationals and the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Mets, or the Phillies, the Phillies yeah. all in one division. You yeah. know, which help would help travel. It would help cut down on travel costs, and uh, also I think that would th- that has you know that has a lot more merit, uh, but I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of impetus towards uh, towards towards doing that. No, I agree. I mean, also, and right now we we can't get teams to agree to play by the same rules, right? Like we can't. Yeah, we can't, really. You know? I mean, you got that's the next. I mean, it's just ridiculous that there's still this DH, no DH. It's it's insane, um, right? <laughs> rule. I mean, one way or, you know, one right. one way one way or the other. The, a lot of the owners were always against having it in the National League because they thought it was. Uh, they thought the it was it was another higher you know a higher paid player because it was usually a veteran older player but I think that sort of has gone away now yeah. and even though I actually prefer the National League game I'd prefer um, having the pitchers hit and I like the double switches and I like the strategy there but just just one way is fine right yeah just have one set of rules that everybody plays by you know what i mean like that would be enough and i'm with you rich i like i prefer the american league because it's what i've grown up with but if the, if it's just this is the set of rules that's the set of rules we're all going to play by it but i, I think that if it, if it's one it's it would be with a dh yeah i would think at this point i would tend to agree with you all right, at Rich Dubroff, MLB is how you follow him as, again, I know it's, it's tough right now, but we all know it's going to be an interesting next uh, eight weeks or so for the Baltimore Orioles as they're going to be uh, making, we assume they're going to be making moves that will uh, set the course of the next few years of Orioles baseball. Of course, see his stuff at PressBoxOnline.com as well. Rich, we will talk to you on my show on Wednesday. Thank you, sir. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. Rich Dubroff, Pressbox Orioles beat writer, joining us here on the Bat Around. As uh, I, Glenn Clark, I'm in for Stan and Craig this morning. Yeah, I, this is the tough part about talking to Rich. He's not wrong. There's just nothing pleasant right now to talk about. I mean, yeah, what are you gonna say? I mean, it's right? really hard to like, find it, something. Andrew Cashner was pretty good last night, which is nice. I said this week, you know, e- even these pitchers. I, I am not. Well, I, 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 I don't know that what I think is best is a full rebuild in Baltimore, 
if there's anybody that you can get something for, by all means. You know, if a team looks at Andrew Kasher and says, hey, he's actually pitched well recently, and the economic figures for him are far more favorable than they are for going and getting a, a, a real starting pitcher on the market this offseason, he's only costing you $8 million bucks next year. You know, if it, and, and if he proves, one, that he's, he can stay healthy and that he's pitching well, and there's a team that wants to give up something for Andrew Kashner, I get it. The Orioles are going to need pitching again next offseason, but I'd be inclined to trade anybody. Even Alex Cobb, I get that his numbers still for the year are a disaster, but Alex Cobb and, like, seven of his last eight starts has allowed three earned runs or less. So it might be the team looks at Alex Cobb and says, hey, man, we can get him now and we'll have him for three more years and – you know, it, uh, pitching on the market is going to cost us $20 million a year. He's only going to cost us about $12, $13, 14000000 million a year. Let's go that route. Of course, of course I'd be willing to deal Alex Cobb. And that's tough because I was really excited about the Orioles signing Alex Cobb when they signed him. But I didn't realize how bad they were. That's, uh, that's part of the issue. I did not realize how bad they were. All right. Uh, when we come back in, we're going to be chatting with Marty York, who played Yeah, Yeah on the Sandlot. But before that... Brittany, I'm going to have you – have you worked on your definitive power rankings? Yes, I know, I know what you I You got want. your list? All right, yeah. I'm going to let you give me your list when we come back in. All right, All right. I'll good. save mine for after the top of the hour, but when we come back in, I'll have Brittany give me her list, her definitive power rankings. I've gotten a few from you guys that we'll get to as well. I mean, it's mostly the same group of movies. It's just sort of a difference of what order you have them in. Uh, for the most part. But we're doing that this morning. Definitive power rankings of the greatest baseball movies ever made. Here on the Bat Around, I'm Glenn, in for Stan and Craig. We'll be right back. Don't miss the action at Royal Farms Arena when your Baltimore Brigade takes the field Friday, June 15th against the Washington Valor. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire Brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. What could be better than a night out at the ballpark with the Aberdeen Ironbirds? How about five nights at the ballpark to five sold-out weekend games? With the Ironbirds' best ticket plan, you'll get to see fireworks, a national entertainment act, or a special guest appearance every game, while reaping the rewards of a season seat member like a unique giveaway and a priority access to playoff tickets and special events all for just $50 a seat. For more information, go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410 that's 410-297-9292. You and your family don't want to miss out on the Ironbird's best ticket plan ever. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, video-wise, 
I'm gonna need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Glenn Clark in for Stan and Craig this morning alongside Britain. I just found out Craig's doing TV this morning. What a jerk. Yeah. He chose TV that. over this. What a man. I got. I don't even have the words for that. I guess Gosh. our Facebook Live isn't good enough. Yeah. He's like, I got to go on TV. Oh, man. Because he gets makeup there. So That's true. He, it he does help. Better, yeah, it does so, help. Yeah. That's a great point. Great point, Brittany. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Hey, what could be better than a night out at the ballpark with the Aberdeen Ironbirds? Well, how about five nights at the ballpark to five sold-out weekend games? To learn more about the Ironbirds' best ticket plan ever, go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292. So, uh, yeah, Marty York, who played Yeah Yeah on the Sandlot, is going to join us here shortly. But this morning, as the Orioles are preparing to celebrate the uh, 25th anniversary of the Sandlot today with Sandlot Night at the ballpark, once they take on the Yankees, um, we want to do definitive power rankings of the best baseball movies ever made. And so I want yours, but I'm going to give Brittany the stage first to give me your... How many on your list, Brittany? I have three. Just three? Okay. Yeah. All right. So give me th- number three first on yours. Okay. I really like The bench warmers. I think it's hilarious. I've never seen The bench warmers. It's really funny. You should watch it. <sighs> now, that was like a David Spade or like... It was like that crew, right? Yeah. The, the Adam Sandler crew that made that movie, correct? Yes. Who all was in that? It was... It's like Rob yeah. Schneider in that. I gotta pull this up now. I'll, I'll, I, I'm familiar with it. I've never watched it. It seemed, I don't. I think it was when I had just checked out on the entire Adam Sandler crew at that point. Yeah, Rob Schneider was definitely in it. Oh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite was in it. John, uh, John Heater. I was right about David Spade, Craig Kilborn, John Lovitz, Nick Swardson, Tim Meadows. Yeah, that that entire crew was part of the Benchwarmers. I just, they wore on me. Like that entire crew did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, I was sort of, I could see that. I was sort of Adam Sandlered out by yeah. that point in my life, and so I never checked in on it. So I'll take your word for it. You got the bench warmers at number three. Your number two, Sandlot. Okay, I, I I disagree because the Sandlot is the definitive number one, but we'll get back to that. And your number one, my number one is a League of Their Own. League of Their Own's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great great movie. Uh, I was I was I think it came out. What year did the League of Their Own come out? I think it was before the Sandlot. Like I want to say I was like eight or nine when a League of Their Own came out. Yeah, ninety two. It came out before the Sandlot. Um, Obviously, it's the story of the, uh, the the girls' professional baseball league that existed for a few years uh, in the early portion of the century when you know World War II was going on. Um, Gina Davis, tremendous. Tom Hanks, god damn it. I mean, like it's Tom <laughs> yeah. Hanks that we're talking about. And there's so many amazing. Like it, this, it's not a comedy, right? Like it's not. But yet you think about every hilarious line that Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan had in that. You know, they'd ever tell you that you look like a penis with a hat on you know what i mean right. like it's, i mean it's just his character it's, it's oh it's tremendous it's, it's great. tremendous um all right 
I, I can accept that. So it's bench warm. I can't believe you got bench warmers number three, and you only went with three. Um, and then you've got uh, the Sandlot and a League of Their Own. Very good. Some of the ones that have come in from Tony. Tony gets in this morning and says, Glenn, you can do however many lists you want. The answer is Field of Dreams, and you and Rich are stupid for not thinking that that's the best baseball <laughs> movie ever. Well, Tony, I guess I'm stupid then. I, this Someone had to say it. I, okay, here's the deal with Field of Dreams. I think the part of the problem is that everybody kept talking about Field of Dreams, Field of Dreams, Field of Dreams, and I, I didn't see it until I was a little bit older. And when I saw it, I was just genuinely creeped out by the whole thing. I'm like, this is just a really weird movie. Like, I get the idea of, like, father and son, and it's connecting, but, like, man, it's a creepy, weird... Like, you just feel like what you're dealing with is, like, a bunch of aliens, man. I'm like, I get it. Like, it's it's ghosts, so, like, it kind of is, but, like, ah, dude, it just... The whole thing, ease his pain. Like, what the? That's so weird, man. Like, the whole thing is just weird. So I never got into Field of Dreams um, in any way. All right, from uh, Chris. Chris gets in and says, uh, Glenn, of course the answer is Bull Durham. You're right, the Sandlot is, is high on the list, so I'll go Bull Durham 1, the Sandlot 2, Major League 3, and then the Bad News Bears would be my number 4. Bad News Bears uh, unquestionably belongs on the list. Yeah, There's that's no a good doubt. one as well. It definitely belongs on the list. From Jeff. Jeff says, Glenn, can we get any love for the Jackie Robinson movie from a few years ago that Chadwick Boseman was in? Uh, yeah, the movie was called 42. I remember I went to like an advanced screening of it. Um, you know, this is when I was on the radio radio and like they invited me to things like that. And so I didn't have a lot of hopes for it because I thought it was too many TV actors that were involved. And they, at the time, Chadwick Boseman, we didn't really know a ton about. Obviously, now Chadwick Boseman, holy crap, is like the biggest movie star on the face. He's the effing Black Panther. You know what I mean? Like, right. He couldn't be a bigger star He's on at this the top point. of the top. Yeah. But at the time, this is 2013, we didn't really know a lot about Chadwick Boseman. He ended up being uh, James Brown in the James Brown movie. And he was, I want to say he was thurgood marshall in that movie as well um but we just didn't know a whole ton about him the only thing the only commodity in that film at the time was that um harrison ford was playing branch ricky and that worked i was good by that john c mcginley was red barber and nailed it nailed it i thought 42 was a very good movie like i thought it was an exceptionally good movie um you know i did it fully i think it maybe cleaned things up a little bit, made it a little bit more palatable than if you really told the Jackie Robinson story, I think it would have had to have been more of an R-rated movie just because of everything that he had to deal with in his life. But um, it was a very good movie, so I'm with you, Jeff. It deserves some recognition. He also wanted to give some love to Moneyball. I will pass on that. Moneyball never did anything for me. I mean, like, we'll put it on the list because it's your list, but I, I, I did not care for Moneyball just did not care for it at all and part of that is i didn't care for the book because i didn't care for trying to tell like i i have no problem with the fact that we're trying to tell the story of that oakland a's team as being like hey on base percentage matters like great the biggest issue with the movie is how much focus they put around scott effing hatterberg and i like chris pratt trust me i love me some chris pratt in fact i had uh chris pratt on the show on my radio it came on my show at the time now again a man who's going on to become like the biggest star on the planet but he came on the show to promote moneyball when it came out and I love me some Chris Pratt because I was obsessed with Parks and Recreation. So I was all in on going to see Moneyball. The problem is Scott Hattieberg has nothing to do with why those Oakland Athletics teams were good. Nothing. Scott Hattieberg was, was in real life a nothing 
when it came to those A's teams. They had great pitching. They had great players. That's why the A's won. Yes, they were a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to analytics. But they won because they had Tim Hudson and Barry Zito and Mark Mulder. And my God, if you have those three pitchers and you can't win, you have to be the worst organization in baseball. In fact, there's somebody said for the fact they had all of that pitching in Oakland and they never managed to win a championship. Like, that's part of the story there. So Moneyball has just sort of always pissed me off because, particularly the movie, the movie was way worse. The book was not nearly as much about Scott Hattieberg. But the movie, they made it all about Scott effing Hattieberg, who was a nothing, a zero, when it came to those Oakland A's teams. Those Oakland A's teams were about having Miguel Tejada and the best pitching you could ever possibly imagine. And if you've got that, you better damn well win some baseball games. So, no, Moneyball does not make my list because of those reasons, despite the fact that uh, everybody loves Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill was great as uh, the guy that wasn't. I guess he wasn't. Um, they had to change his name. What, what did they call? Because it was, uh, oh, oh, come on. Why am I blanking on 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 who this guy's name is? Because they didn't use his name in the movie. They gave him a different name because What's-His-Face wasn't okay with it. It's going to drive me crazy. I'm so sorry. I'm uh, Okay, they used the name Peter Brand. But Peter Brand wasn't Peter Brand. He was actually Paul D. Podesta. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, you did nothing for me, Brittany. I was, fl- I was flailing there. I was <laughs> drowning, and you didn't help me. All right, uh, continue to get me your definitive power rankings. I'll give you mine in hour number two. But right now, we had the opportunity as we continue uh, our, our celebration of the Sandlot. Uh, I had to do this yesterday afternoon, but an opportunity to chat with one of the stars of the Sandlot. Let's listen in on my interview with Yeah Yeah, Marty York. And join now here on the Bat Around as we continue. I've been celebrating the uh, the Sandlot all week, and it's been a pleasure to have a bunch of different folks on talking about the Orioles celebrating the 25th anniversary of the movie later today at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Our next guest, you remember, of course, is Yeah Yeah from the Sandlot. He is Marty York, and he joins us now. Marty, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so good to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Great to talk to you guys. Hey, man. Dude, 25 years, I can only imagine like how baffling that number is when you think about it in your head. I, I know it's so special to reflect in all these memories, but dude, 25 years, it's just got to be crazy for you. Yeah, it's pretty insane, man. It's, uh, the movie has really you know, withstood the test of time, and it's uh, you know, considered one of the greatest baseball movies ever. So all right, I'm so just going to blessed to be in it. So, so you know I'm a complete nerd. I don't just think it's the best baseball movie ever. I think it's the greatest slice of Americana ever made. I think it's perfection. I'm an utter, utter nerd about this, and I'm sure you get this all of the time, but dude... Um, holy crap, it's so cool to be talking to you, and can you take me through, like, how you've handled all of this 25 years later? Like, at, at what point did you comprehend this really is special? This wasn't just fun. This wasn't just something that I got to do with my buddies. This really is something that's truly special that has clicked with people in a way that maybe I could have never comprehended when I was that young and filming this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it hit me probably about about 10 years ago, but the movie just progressively gets more and more popular with every year. Um, you know, this year it's really like gone all out, you know, being, um, being licensed with the MLB and, uh, you know, the, for the 20th anniversary, five years ago, we did, you know, all we, all we really did was Dodger stadium. We went back to the Sandlot, but I mean, this year we're doing, we're doing a lot of different stadiums and, uh, going back to the Sandlot again. And, uh, 
it's just it just gets bigger and bigger, man. It's it's pretty crazy. It's just uh, you know, it's a it, it's a blessing, and it's I think we live in a, in a time where you know the Sandlot means a lot. You know, it means you know a lot to a lot of different people. You know, it's uh, it takes them back to their childhood. When you so, how young were you when you filmed the movie? I got to do the math on this. You were probably around like eleven, right? Well, I was 12 when I filmed the movie. It came okay. out when I was 13. Okay. So at that moment, you know, did, did you did you even have the ability to know, hey, this is a good movie, or was it just really fun for you at that point, like being a part of it? Um, I mean, we just we just had a blast that summer. It, it just was like fun. It was just, uh, you know, we had we have a bunch of stories that we told off the set too. Um, I don't know if you saw our Today Show interview a couple weeks, uh, yeah, about a month ago. But, uh, you know, we, we did crazy things like we, we snuck into Basic Instinct when, when we weren't filming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, a little bit different than the Sandlot Basic Instinct, just slightly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different than Squint Scene. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we, I mean, we just had a lot of fun, man. We, a lot of the stuff that we did offset was improvised into the movie. Um, I know the, the scene where they talk about the scampool honeys and I do the, oh, oh. <laughs> That was actually uh, came from. We used to say your mama jokes to each other. Okay. And, and after every your mama joke, I would always go whoa. <laughs> and so David's like, "Do that again." And so I did, and he's like, "We're going to put that in one of the scenes." Oh, that's tremendous. We actually had David on earlier this week, and he was telling us some of these stories. They're just amazing, man. All right, so is is there a line that people ask you to repeat more than "Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty crappy, dude." That's probably the the most asked for line. Um, <laughs> the other line, as they say, oh, they want me to do the thing where I, I go after I uh, get lifted up over the fence. Yeah. That's a good one too. Those are also pretty good. So I learned so much about the pretty crappy dude. That of course came from the squint scene that you referenced. I learned so much about that scene from talking to David the other day. How, how like nervous were you guys for? him as he was getting ready to do that scene because it, it, it was clear how nervous he was getting ready to do that scene. Um, I don't think any of us were nervous for him. I think we all wanted to do this. Scene. He's just jealous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Right. I think it was kind of funny. Like when the first day that, you know, we all walked up to, to uh, Marley who plays Wendy, uh, you know, we are all gathered around her and we're like, uh, which one of us do you like the best? <laughs> like, you guys are like 12. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did you get an answer though? Because I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that at that time, I I can't remember what she said. No, I think she just replied yeah. back. She was only like twelve years old. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm not gonna be able to, to pick which one of these twelve year olds that I want to kiss on screen. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, you know, what? I think she was seventeen or eighteen. I, I can't remember how old she was when she filmed that. Yeah, it sounds about right. That's really funny. Marty York is with us, of course. Yeah, yeah, from the Sandlot. The Orioles are celebrating the Sandlot this afternoon. You can still get tickets to watch the movie out on the outfield grass. Um, they'll be playing it up on the big screen, but you got to get a special ticket in order to watch it on the outfield grass after today's game against the New York Yankees. Um, Marty, you know, everything that we've talked about, so one of the things that really jumped out is the elaborate nature of all of the scenes from the treehouse and you guys hanging out in the treehouse, like even when you weren't even filming, like it was like a general hangout spot during the course of the movie, right? Yeah, and it was definitely a shade from the extremely hot Utah sun. Uh, it was... I mean, that was probably one of the hottest summers, even that I can remember to this day. Um, they actually had to take big buckets of sea breeze and put them on us just, just so we could stay cold. 
Wow. So, uh, wow. Another thing we would do to stay cool is we would hang out in the treehouse and, and, uh, and, you know, it was, it was just cool to hang out there. We would make s'mores, you know, sometimes when we weren't working and, it's awesome, man. Did you like? Okay, when they would come up with another elaborate concept for you know this concept of trying to get the baseball back in the movie, when they would be like, "Are right, we going to do this vacuum thing with the rector?" Like, did you ever like sort of scratch your head, like, "Holy crap! I can't believe these guys keep coming up with these things." Um, no, I mean we just thought it was fun. I mean it was a uh, the scene where I try to get the ball back. Where I'm, I'm like actually lifted over the fence. I really did that scene. I mean it wasn't a stunt guy or anything. Wow. I was, I was literally lifted up probably about 20 or 30 feet to the top of the treehouse. And uh, <clears throat> in the movie, it looks like the guys are holding me, but it's really a bunch of stunt guys. They, I don't think they would let sure. the really <laughs> support me over, right. <laughs> over the, that high in the air. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool, man. It was, it was cool doing that scene, and uh, it was like uh, it just felt like you were flying, you know? Yeah, dude, right? Like, it's, it's incredible. Uh, were you a baseball player, Marty? Not before I did this movie, no. Okay, so you, so some of the guys, like, it's funny because we had Tom on the other day, and Tom was like, look, I had to pretend like I wasn't a baseball player, you know, like, my baseball coach was mad at me. You actually, like, had to, like, I guess, maybe learn a little bit of baseball before the movie then. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely had to, uh, had to, had to learn, and we, uh, we all trained on a field for quite a while, so I got pretty good. Um, did you, did and you? we actually did, um, you know, on the Today Show interview that we did, uh, you know, about a month or two ago, we actually all played baseball again on a at a college where we filmed it, and we were actually still really good. <laughs> okay, did you go back and like play it all after you did the movie? Where you're like, "Hey, man, I got to get on the team or something." No, I, I really didn't. I mean, after I did the movie, I just I did a lot of acting stuff after that. And sure, I, I kind of just you know stopped playing baseball, but um, <laughs> it was definitely you know fun to be with the guys again playing baseball at our age now. You know. Oh, dude, that's cool. That's really, really. Cool. Who was the best going into it? Like, who, who was legitimately a baseball player before you guys even did the movie? Oh, definitely Mike Vitar. Okay, yeah, and obviously, like, that makes sense, right? Like, it's it's pretty good casting then. Yeah, yeah, he was he was extremely good, and he, uh, you know, he kind of even helped us out to teach us how to you know throw correctly and stuff like that. I, I just caught something when I said that you responded. The first two words you said were "Yeah, yeah." Um, how many times in your life have you caught yourself doing that since you were part of this movie? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, a speech impediment now. <laughs> Dude, wait, okay. Have you ever had a moment where you, where you did it? Like maybe you were at a bar or something and you know, the bartender asks you, Hey, what do you want to drink? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, did, did they look at you? Like maybe that's him. Like, have you gone through anything like that? Uh, no, not, <laughs> I mean, I, re- I really get recognized. I-, I get recognized here and there. Like it, it just depends if I shave and I cut my hair short, like I had in the movie, people will, like recognize me from my eyes, but you know, I've, I've got, you know, I've gained some muscle since the movie. Yeah. Um, but like some of the guys like, you know, Pat Renner who played ham, like, you, we can't go anywhere with that guy. Cause I got people like drive by on the street and go, Ham, you killing me, small. Literally drive by and yell things out as they're driving by. That's so great. By the way, Pat's yeah, we gonna... went out to dinner with a man, and like everyone was like turning around, like, hey. and they didn't know who the heck the rest of us were. They just, like, <laughs> how dumb was? That's how dumb would this they feel when they realize, like, holy crap, the whole gang's here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we like recently because we did, uh, you know, we did uh, all those interviews, and then uh, literally, like, there was a group of like off-duty police officers, and they were like 
you know, we were sitting at a table with Pat Renna and, uh, like, Hey, you know, the, yes, I, used, I saw him whispering and like other people are whispering in the place and they, they walk over and they go, Hey, are you, are you ham? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, Oh dude, can we get your picture? <laughs> And we're all just like looking at each other laughing. And then he's like, yeah, this is the rest of the cast. Oh. <laughs> we're like, holy crap. Wait, have you ever had the opposite though? Have you ever experienced like, you know, you tried to tell somebody who you were and they were like, dude, no chance. Like you're, there's no way you're just saying that you were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's happened before. Like, uh, you know, if I've tried to like, uh, back in my nightclubbing days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to bypass the line. <laughs> Yeah, I'm already York, you know, yeah, yeah, from the sandline. Yeah, no, you're not. Get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever, okay, tell the truth. Did you ever use it to try to talk to a girl? Uh, not, I mean, I think I have, probably. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, all my long-term girlfriends, I've never really told them who I was, you know, because you don't want somebody, you don't want to go out with someone just because of who you are. Oh, no, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Like, okay, was it ever a burden for you? Like, you know, that this is the thing like actors will go their entire careers and they might have success, but there's nothing that is as meaningful as what you were a part of, right? Like you were part of something that was so meaningful to so many people. Was it ever a burden to be like, dude, I, I it's very difficult for me to escape from, from being, yeah, yeah. Like I could sort of like to be known as the guy that did a bunch of other things in his life. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of actors that had fame with one character that they became super famous on. I think that, anyone goes through that, you know? I mean, I'm sure Jaleel White you know, yeah. did other things, but people just be like, hey, you're Ur- it's Urkel, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it has been tough to escape that one role. I mean, I did a lot of, uh, after The Sandlot, I did uh, guest starring roles on tons of, like, 90s sitcoms. I had a recurring role in Boy Meets I know, World, yeah. And, and, uh, and then 1997, I got in a really bad car accident, and I kind of, like, stopped acting after that. Um but it's like, I mean, there's only a handful of movies in history that have really done what, you know, have become legendary, you know? Oh, no um, question. No question. And it, it it just amazes me that, you know, I, I'll walk until I, I think David McEwen's posted a picture of a theater with like all these legendary quotes on the wall. And there was three big ones. There was, you're killing me, Smalls. Um, I'll be back, you know? Wow. And, uh, <laughs> And, like, one other one. And I was like, wow, you know? It's like, it's up there with, like, some of the, the greatest. Yeah, most iconic. Movies, yeah. Most iconic movies in history. That's incredible, dude. That's unbelievable. Okay, so this is a question that I've regretted not asking everybody this week. Um, what all did you keep from when you filmed? Like, what do you still have to this day from when you filmed the movie? Uh, at my mom's house, I actually have the Paris of Plaster harness they <clears throat> Because underneath the, when they lifted me up over the fence, yeah, underneath the catcher's gear that I was wearing, I had a uh, like a body cast. Okay, yeah, and right, then, sure. Yeah, so I still at my mom's house. She still has that body cast with the all the wires coming off it that they attached me to. That's uh, cool. Yeah, so it's and, and like I have pictures, you know, of floating in that thing, you know, them, them testing me in it and stuff. Like that. <laughs> Is there anything looking back on it you wish you would have kept? Like you're like, dude, I wish I would have somehow kept, you know, I, that, that that gross s that they used to make tobacco out of, you know, like whatever it was. Nah, I don't, I don't want to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> anything though? But, I mean, that that's pretty cool. That harness that I have is, is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I got a lot, a lot of crazy memorabilia. I literally have like, like trash bags full of fan mail from when I was. 
12 years old of just like wow. all these little girls and stuff like that sending me stuff. And, uh, I have like a big cardboard cutout. I remember just walking in the blockbuster and they had the big cardboard cutout of the Sandlot in there. And my mom was like, Hey, can I have that? <laughs> <laughs> so my mom's got the big cardboard cutout in her garage and, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cool, I mean, I think one of the coolest relics that I have from the film is, uh, I have a baseball signed by everyone, including James Earl Jones. Oh, wow. Wow. That's really... I mean, it's signed by everybody, you know? That's cool, man. That's really, really cool. That's awesome. All right, Marty York, of course, yeah, yeah, from The Sandlot. Marty, uh, is there anything we can plug for you, man? Is, you know, what, I don't know what you're up to these days. If there's social media that we can plug for you, tell people to give you a following. Yeah, social media, uh, please, you know, uh, visit me at Marty York Fitness. Okay. Is that uh, is that Twitter, I, Instagram? I like uh, I put workout tips on there and things like that. I put a, a lot of different new projects I'm doing on Marty York Fitness. Uh, you can also uh, Facebook. I'm on Marty York. Awesome. We'll have everybody give you a follow there, dude. Um, and again, it, it's going to be a special afternoon here in Baltimore as we celebrate the movie. I, I can't tell you, dude. I'm. I'm such a nerd. I watch every year on the 4th of July. It means the world to me. To, to hear you guys talk about each other and the relationships that you've continued to have over the years and how special it was, it, it, it actually makes it mean even more to me, man. So I, I, I can't thank you all enough for this piece of, of art that you've made that has lasted the test of time, man, and really appreciate taking a couple of minutes to join us this morning and tell us about it. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, hope the Orioles win. And... Uh, and to all the fans, thank you so much for, uh, for you know, loving the movie for 25 years and uh, making this 25th anniversary special. You know, I hope the Orioles win too, but uh, they don't do a lot of that, unfortunately. It's just the way it yep. is. Appreciate Marty York joining us here on the Bat Around. Yeah, yeah, from the Sandlot. It's uh, very, very cool. Uh, enjoyed that conversation a great deal. And later on in the show, we'll chat with uh, Hamilton Ham Porter. Uh, Patrick Renault, who played uh, Hammond. Patrick actually had uh, quite the acting career since then. He's probably done the most of any of the kids that were uh, part of the Sandlot. Although Tom Geary, who was Smalls, did a lot too. Tom Geary was in like Mystic River and Black Hawk Down, a lot of those movies. Patrick Renault, however, is like kept working on TV uh, for years past the Sandlot. And in fact, uh, I just saw before because uh, we're gonna chat with him later. He's on the new season of Glow on Netflix, which is a tremendous show. Uh, about the, uh, the 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 short-lived women's wrestling promotion. Uh, it's a very, very good show. Allison Breeze on that and Betty Gilpin. But uh, Patrick Renner is going that for season two. But uh, we'll talk to uh, Hamilton Ham Porter before the end of today's show. All right, uh, Troy, uh, always appreciate Troy checking in. He's our P1. Love Troy. Troy wanted to know if there's a chance of any Oriole besides Manny Machado being an all-star. The short answer is no. Now, the real question is, if for some reason Manny Machado was traded before the All-Star announcements are made. Like, there was a point at which Richard Blyer had a real chance of being named an All-Star because more and more, since they changed the rules in the All-Star game and you know it's supposed to matter, although it doesn't matter again, I guess now I think that means there'll be fewer middle relievers who are taken because, again, the game doesn't really matter. Like Part of the reason why they're taking middle relievers is because the managers are saying, hey, look, like to have a middle reliever to go to if the game's supposed to matter. Um, Richard Blyer had a real chance. The problem is to make the All-Star game as a middle reliever, you've got to have eye-popping numbers. And Blyer had that for a while, but you know he had a bad outing on Memorial Day, and that might be enough to prevent him from really having an opportunity. 
So if for some reason Manny Machado is already gone by the time they announce the All-Star teams because every team has to have a representative, like what's, what you would really fear, I, I know some Orioles fans who are actually going to the game this year because it's in D.C., what you really fear is that they announce the All-Star teams, Machado, of course, is an All-Star, and then he gets traded after they announce the All-Star teams, and there's just no other representative from the Orioles. Like, that's just it. Like, well, it was Machado. Sorry they traded him. Too bad. You guys don't get to have a representative this year. I would understand when you're this bad, you don't get All-Stars. But the question is, if he gets traded before then, who would go? I, I guess Blyer is still kind of the guy, although I could see at that point them just trying to figure out a way to put, like, like Adam Jones has hit well of late. I could see them just saying, look, he's a popular figure in baseball. He's well-liked. Let's just put Adam Jones on the All-Star team for the sake of putting Adam Jones on the All-Star team, and let's just be done with it at that point. And it's not like he's been bad. Like, he's actually started hitting the ball again. His numbers are decent. They could just do that for the sake of doing it, to say, hey, look, we're going to make him an All-Star because he's, he's likable and... It'd be fun to have him there, and, and he's got a good personality, and he represents the game well, but the truth is it's Manny Machado or bust. It's, if for some reason Manny Machado gets traded before the, the teams are announced, yes, somebody would have to make it, but short of that, it's Manny Machado, who will be an all-star. That's not just having to get somebody on the team because you have to have somebody on the team. It's, he's been one of the best players in all of baseball this season, and so um, he should be. I, I would think he should be the well, – I think about that a little bit more. I would think he should be the starting shortstop uh, in the All-Star game for the American League. All right, when we come back in, Bob Nightingale. Speaking of Manny Machado, he's probably not going to be an Oriole that much longer. But where's Shocker. he? Yeah, where's he going to go, and what exactly can the Orioles get back? I mean, th that's really one of the questions at this point. Like, a lot of people said, hey, yeah, they probably made a mistake not trading him in the offseason, but look at how well he's performing Maybe he, they can get even more for him. Is is that the case? Can you really get more for Manny Machado than you would have gotten him because of how well he's played? And he's been brilliant. Bob Nightingale is the uh, national baseball writer for USA Today. We're going to talk to him about exactly what the Orioles can get for Manny Machado. Who's out there? It's been mostly Phillies, Cubs, and Nightingale's prediction is the Phillies, by the way. Um, we'll talk to him about that. What exactly can you get for Manny Machado at this point? We'll do that when we come back in. Glenn Clark in for Stan and Craig this week on at the Batarounds. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Kevin Ack profiles former Oriole Ben McDonald, who's gone from a somewhat disappointing career as a pitcher to being a beloved figure in the broadcast booth. Plus, a recap of Ozzie Newsom's final NFL draft and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. 
To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. When you buy a new car or truck from Jerry's, they throw in the dealership. Every new vehicle from Jerry's comes with exclusive It's About You loyalty benefits, like Jerry's extended service care for four years and up to 50,000 miles, also tire rotations and car washes for life, free shuttle services, multi-point inspections, and so much more. Jerry's loyalty benefits are available on every new Toyota, Chevrolet, and Mitsubishi. Visit my friends at Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or Jerry's Chevrolet and Mitsubishi on Joppa Road today at Jerry's. It's about you. Hour number two here on The Bat Around. Glenn Clark in with you on this Saturday morning. And yes, the Orioles do continue to play games despite the fact that uh, none of them seem to matter all that much. They're supposed to continue their series the Yankees. This afternoon, weather permitting, Kevin Gaussman, Masahiro Tanaka, the pitching matchup after the Orioles lost 4-1 in what ended up being the series opener last night. The uh, bigger, of course, topic surrounding the Baltimore Orioles is what's going to happen between now and July 31st in the non-waiver trade deadline. As we expect, they will at least be dealing their pending free agents, Manny Machado, Zach Britton, Brad Brock, maybe Adam Jones if he's willing to be dealt. Uh, maybe even more than that, the Orioles could end up trading. Joining us now to talk about those possibilities, he uh, wrote a column recently about uh, the trade deadline for USA Today. He is baseball writer extraordinaire Bob Nightingale, and he joins us now here on the Bat Around. Bob, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Sure, my pleasure, Glenn. Um, obviously, unfortunately, the games don't matter a lot here in Baltimore, so this is what we're doing, and nothing bigger than the topic of Manny Machado. And it seems like right now there are really kind of two teams that the conversation is surrounding when it comes to Manny Machado, one being the Cubs, the other being the team that you've kind of projected would end up being the team, and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Let me start with the Phillies. What is practical that the Orioles could get back for Manny Machado if the Phillies really are in on him come July 31st? Well, they probably get three prospects. You know, one a, uh, you know, probably one that falls in their, you know, top five prospects, one, you know, maybe from a number six or ten type prospect, and then more of a French type guy. Remember, you're only getting him for a uh, half a summer. And, uh, you know, you walk away, of course, at the end of the year. So you're not going to get a ton. You know, they didn't get a ton of great offers, you know, back in December. Right. When they're shopping them. So uh, I don't think they're going to get nearly the haul people think. So this is it's so it's interesting you bring that up because there are people here that have said, "Hey, look, well, I know that's true, but look at the season Manny Machado is having. Shouldn't they be able to get more?" And I just, I don't, I don't think you can outweigh the fact that you're only talking about three months for a player, and it just seems like in recent years, teams have not been able to get for a rental what maybe they were able to get five, ten years ago at the deadline. 
No, you're absolutely right, Glenn. I mean, the uh, teams just don't want to give up prospects now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember at the winter meetings when someone thought the uh, White Sox might have a high bid for him. And the White Sox said, well, if you have a bid, you don't have anything. We're not offering a whole lot. And that was, you know, for a full year of Manny Machado. Right. So, no, you're not going to... Uh, it's not like back in the day when you know teams just threw all kinds of prospects at, at people. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see that happening. Well, and it seems like part of the problem here seems to be there's there's no reason to believe that if you trade for Manny Machado, it's going to give you any sort of leg up on signing him in the off season. That ultimately. Manny Machado is just going to go to the highest bidder in the offseason, so it kind of doesn't really matter if you have him for three months. It's probably not going to help you all that much if you're not willing to pay the exorbitant amount of money that it's going to cost to sign Manny Machado long-term. Yeah, you got to be willing to pay that kind of high price as a contract. But I will say, if you know, if a team like Philadelphia and say Manny doesn't know much about him, if he feels comfortable there in the, uh, you know, along with teammates and coaches, at least if, you know, if uh, things are close to even, they can say, you know what, I, I like being here. Uh, it's, you know, a very, very good place. So that helps. You do have exclusive negotiating rights until he's a free agent uh, in November. Uh, you know, at least you get a leg up in negotiations. Sure. That, that's about the, the, the two biggest advantages. I certainly get it. It can't hurt. I do get that argument. All right, let me let me go back to the Phillies for a second. Um, as much as the Orioles need pitching prospects, one of the things that we've talked about around here is that they have no depth in the infield, and Jonathan Scope is going to be a free agent a year later and might be a candidate to be dealt as well. Um, the Orioles probably should be in the market for infield help, too, in a Manny Machado trade. Is there any chance that J.P. Crawford would be on the table uh, from the Phillies in a Manny Machado trade? I would say very unlikely. Okay. Uh, I would, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, particularly, you know, if you want to expand Machado and, you know, give something else as well. Uh, but but I, I don't think they'd give up something like that. I really don't. I think that's why people keep coming back to this Cubs possibility because so many plugged in people have thrown out Addison Russell's name when it comes to a potential Manny Machado Cubs deal. Do you think that's practical, and really, at this point, do you think Anderson Russell is even a player the Orioles should be looking to try to acquire in a Manny Machado deal? I don't. I think that's way overblown uh, in the Cubs' interest in Machado. Okay. Uh, I think if Baltimore wants someone, I can see you know the young guy Hap, the outfielder, uh, yeah, infielder, outfielder, uh, but not Russell. I mean, Russell's about to hit arbitration, start to make some big time money. Uh, you know, he hasn't been playing lights out either. So I, I don't buy that at all. I mean, sure, <laughs> the Cubs are like that, but I can't see the world sending interest. Let's be honest, the Cubs need pitching. Uh, if they had, you know, if they had pitching to trade, they'd you know, move these guys up to big leagues. I don't think they have uh, the pieces to get Machado. And the thing is, you know, they need pitching more than anything else. I mean, Darvish has been a disaster. Chatwood's walking the world. Sure. So offense isn't their problem. It's pitching. I, I don't. I think the uh, Cubs' interest is just overblown. And I could see a, uh, I could see Cleveland there. I, could, I think Cleveland could be a sleeper from Machado as well. Interesting, interesting. Why? Okay, so so tell me about what they would is again. I keep bringing this up because I feel the need. And I know in your column you wrote about the need for pitching prospects, and I am not arguing with it all. The Orioles desperately – the problem is they need everything right now. That's the situation that they're in. They don't have a lot uh, that, that you really feel good about moving forward. But um, what do they have that could make a deal work? 
Uh, Cleveland's kind of loaded in the uh, farm system, so they got uh, you know you know I don't know their names and that they uh, right right. Um, talking about not knowing their farm system, but they do have depth there, and they're sort of a little desperate. I mean, they uh, they need to win right now, and uh, and you look at the uh, you know the, where the landscape in the American League, and they still you know how is Cleveland going to get past uh, you know Yankees, Houston, Boston, and right now they, they probably can't in the postseason. So Machado would, you know, help them. And I think they're much more aggressive uh, the last couple of years, you know, with Chris Infinity uh, there. Mark Shapiro had moved on to uh, Toronto. So uh, that's where I think they're uh, – that's where I think they're the sleeper, Machado. Uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today is with us here on the Bat Around. Bob, I, I, I'm interested in if there's somebody else that might be a wild card here. Like, we're assuming – you know, everything about the Dodgers has been, hey, look, that luxury tax threshold, it's just not going to happen. That's not practical. And um, it doesn't seem like the Yankees were ever practical because why would the Orioles want to trade in division? But even now, you look at what they have and you say, what what need do they have for Manny Machado, given who they have on the left side of their infield? Is there somebody else that you think could be a sleeper or a wild card in the Machado sweepstakes? Uh, it, nobody just jumps jumps out at you. You know, it you know, because of the uh, how much money he's making and, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers haven't given up prospects for anybody. Right. And even Darvish are about ready to let him, you know, go last year until Texas kind of caved and, uh, you know, they didn't have to give up much. I mean, they didn't give up, you know, they wouldn't even give up prospects and the money for Justin Verlander, and that would have won in the World Series. So they're certainly not going to do it for Machado. Uh I don't. I don't see a team jumping out. I, I really don't. Uh, I don't see Atlanta, you know, doing something like that. I, right. I can't see. Uh, you know, I think Arizona would be very, very remote. You know, not saying it's totally impossible, but just remote. Uh, you know, certainly not the Angels. So you're, you know, thinking of different contenders and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I do think it's a uh, you know, Philadelphia, Cleveland, maybe the. Uh, you know, maybe the Cubs are an outside shot, and the Dodgers even more of a distant outside shot. You mentioned Zach Britton in your column. We all know what happened a year ago with the Orioles and the Astros seeming to have a deal done, and then ownership in Baltimore stepping in and uh, preventing it from happening. Do you think the Astros would be willing to go back down that road? And we, obviously, first, what has to happen is Zach Britton has to, to get back to the major league level and prove that the sinker still works and that he can be Zach Britton again. But if he does, do you think the Astros would really be willing to revisit it despite what happened a year ago? I think they would be. Uh, you know, I think they'd have to probably do things differently. Like, okay, here's the medicals. Look at this thing first before, you know, we go down that path. But yeah, they get Zach Britton. Don't even bother with Berliner. You know, they, they don't win the World Series. So the best thing that happened to uh, Houston. <laughs> so, but they need fair. a closer, uh, you know. Their series against the uh, Yankees, you know, they blew those games, blew a big game against Cleveland uh, about a week ago. So they got to get some closer out there. I mean, you know, and there'll be guys out there besides Britain, of course. But I, I think if Britain's pitching well and everything else, it's a, it's a perfect fit for Houston. What, what realistically, you know, again, pre- pre- presuming he comes back and he looks like Zach Britton, or at least he shows the sinker is still the Zach Britton sinker, which some people think is the best pitch in baseball. Um, presuming he does that, what realistically could the Orioles get back now for Zach Britton? Because the package a year ago was was pretty freaking good, but that was for a year and a half of Zach Britton. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then you're talking maybe, like, say Houston's, you know, uh, a number six or number ten type prospect. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and maybe a fringe guy, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I'm talking about only having a half a year on Brendan, but you're talking about an improving Brendan. Right. Right. He's healthy. He's going to stay healthy. And Bob, I think this is it speaks to the bigger issue that we're having right now in Baltimore, which is. Yes, obviously you're going to look to deal all these guys because, of course, you're going to look to deal all these guys. But the truth is, are you going to be able to get back enough that you can really set your organization on a different path? We're talking about rental players that are looking to deal. And even if, let's just say they're willing to deal Jonathan Scope, who's got a year and a half level, Jonathan Scope has been been awful this season and hurt. Um, I don't know what the market would be for Jonathan Scope. They don't really seem to have the commodities that could land them you know, franchise or organization changing types of prospects to change the course for the coming years. And in some way, it almost makes you think maybe instead of a rebuild, they're better off just trading away the pending free agents and then being willing to spend money, particularly international market money, and sign of retooling because I just don't know how much they can get to change things for the next five years. No, you're absolutely right, Glenn. I mean, this would be a start, but that's it. It's not like, oh, we'll trade these guys and boom, they're going to become the Houston Astros in four right. years or the Cubs in four years. Uh, this is going to take some time. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to start hitting on some draft picks and everything else. So I'm with you. I mean, it's a, something you're going to have to do, get something for nothing here. But uh, it's, it's silly to think that by moving these guys, all of a sudden, they're going to have a loaded farm system. Right. It's, it's not going to happen. Right. I'll leave you with it because I think there are people that would say, okay, well, you know, you do have commodities. You should be willing to trade Dylan Bundy right now. Like, trade somebody that somebody would give a lot up for. But I, I just. I get it. I mean, wait, why? If, if you don't think you're going to win in the next three years, why do you have Dylan Bundy? Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, go ahead and make a move like that. But. Man, it's tough because I just don't know that anybody looks at Dylan Bundy and says, yeah, we're going to give you up the farm for a guy that we still don't fully know exactly how good he is. I mean, he had that stretch of, of three starts that was abysmal earlier this year. Like, I, I just I, I don't know that it's worth doing any of this stuff right now because it's not a sure thing that you're going to get five great prospects in return. No, but but the thing about a, a Bundy, that, that, I mean, not only does he have uh, talent, is that, you know, as you mentioned, he's got the control. Yeah. So teams will overpay for that control. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so he'll, he'll, you know, I mean, he'll bring back, you know, more than anybody else in that roster. Uh, you know, he'll bring back something more than the Machado, Jones, and everybody else. So, but but you, you're uh, admitting yeah, at that point. Control. Yeah, but you're admitting at that point you're waving the white flag, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's going to be, if you're trading Dylan Bundy, it's going to be bleak here for a little while, and it might be bleak either yeah, way. Yeah, you got to get a haul. You know, at yeah. least in the Orioles thing, they can say, you know what, either meet, meet our price or we're keeping them. So, yeah. know, like our yeah. gun here, like the Armageddon Shadow. No, that's a great point. All right, at B. Nightingale on Twitter is how you follow him. He is Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Hey, Bob, really appreciate the insight this morning, sir. Thank you so much. Let's do it again soon, all right? All right, sounds great. Take care, guys. Bob Nightingale joining us here on the Bat Around on a Saturday morning. I mean, this is such a complicated topic. Because um, there is no easy way to do this. The easy way to do this was to do this two years ago, where you decide who you're going to spend the money on, and then you move the other pieces to try to extend your window. But the Orioles didn't do that. So now, this is really saving face. Like, of course you're going to try to trade Manny Machado. Of course you are. But 
you got to understand, you're not getting back an organizational changing haul for three months of Manny Machado. Two months, really. You just not, it doesn't work that way in baseball at this point. There was a time where teams were so desperate to try to win the World Series that they would give up everything to get one guy. And I certainly get the argument that for some teams, Manny Machado could be the difference. You know, Stan the Fan has argued that he thinks Manny Machado might be the difference for the Cubs in winning the World Series. Well, as Bob Nightingale pointed out, the Cubs pitching has been awful. I don't know that Manny Machado suddenly makes their pitch. Like, it certainly helps your infield defense, but the truth is Addison Russell defensively hasn't been a problem. Defensively, Addison Russell's been great. It's his bat that's been the issue. So you're not even really improving your defense all that much to say, hey, that's how you're improving your pitching. Your pitching is still a huge problem if you're the Cubs. So it's not that you – and I'm saying they couldn't do it, but I don't know that they're winning a World Series with Manny Machado. The Phillies are intriguing, no doubt, but – do you think the Phillies are Manny Machado away from winning the World Series? I or, mean, they are doing really well this season. I, no doubt, but like, do you think they really have enough pitching? I get they've got Arietta and they've got Aaron Nola, but do you genuinely believe they have enough pitching to win the World Series if they added Manny Machado? I, I don't know that I can say there's a contender that's Manny Machado away from winning the World Series that makes it so worth it to them to give up a ridiculous amount for a rental player. Which isn't to say some, that teams won't want Manny Machado, but it's that you've got to be realistic. And as, as Bob pointed out, can you get one really good prospect and a couple of other pieces? Yeah, you could probably get one really good prospect and a couple of other pieces for Manny Machado. And you're going to take it, but it's not going to change the course of your franchise the way that some of these other ch- you know trades have changed the courses of the Cubs, the Astros in recent years. You, you want to look to do what the Yankees did with Aroldis Chapman, right? The Yankees got back Leibar Torres for Aroldis Chapman, and it's been a huge piece. It's not been what's changed them. What's changed them is Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez. And then you add in Torres. It's a really nice piece to add in. But the Orioles don't have Judge and Sanchez. The Orioles have Zippy. <laughs> they got nothing. We thought they had something valuable in Trey Mancini coming into the season. Well, how's that look right now? Not too hot. No. And, like, I want to be a Trey Mancini believer. I, You know, I, I like Trey a whole heck of a lot, and I think he's better than this. But I did try to warn people, like, don't. this is still a guy that was not thought of as a top prospect in baseball. Let's not work under the assumption that he's definitely going to be a rock star throughout the course of his career. Nice nice piece, and I still think is going to be better than the player that we've seen right now. But, you know, I was never buying in on Trey Mancini as a, a, a franchise changer necessarily. The Orioles aren't one trade away from having a solution, which would make the argument that, okay... Just trade away the pending free agents, including Jones, if he was willing to do it. Then maybe try to re-sign Adam Jones at the end of the year. And understand the best way to go about doing this isn't rebuilding. It's actually retooling. It's trade away the pending free agents and then be willing to spend money this offseason. That's the one thing that they didn't do outside of Alex Cobb. They did ultimately spend some money on Alex Cobb. The question is, are the Orioles willing to spend money? And we don't know that answer. The Chris Davis albatross hangs over them, and it's significant you cannot downplay how much the chris davis thing is a factor in whatever they decide to do organizationally they're spending a lot of money on nothing and you can either spend it on nothing and have him be on the team and hope 
that it gets better. And certainly, I, I do get the argument at this point that you're so bad this year that you're just going to keep throwing him out there in, in hopes that at some point it clicks, right? Like, there was an argument if you're winning right now, you don't you, you tell Chris Davis, hey, dude, you can't play. But you're not winning. It, Chris Davis isn't making the difference in any way. Just let him keep going out there and hope that at some point before the season's over, whatever's going on in his head, he works it out and he looks like Chris Davis again. I'm not expecting that, but I get the argument for it. But it's a major factor in what the Orioles end up doing is they're they're burned by how much money they spent on Chris Davis. Oh, and by the way, we also don't know who the general manager is going to be or the manager. Or so, the head coach. Right. Well, yeah, the manager. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it's that's That's where we are. That's where we are. I mean, that's just the realities of what faces the Orioles. And, yeah, it sucks. It's It sucks. There's no getting around it. All right. Um, uh, Chris says, can't believe you guys haven't mentioned the rookie on your baseball movie power rankings. The rookie was great. You know what, Chris? You're right. The rookie was a great baseball movie. Uh, of course, the story of Jim Morris, the what was he, 34-year-old pitcher when he finally got called up. Uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays and made his debut. It really was a very good, for like a family kind of kids type of baseball movie, it was a very, very good movie. It's sickeningly sweet because it was a Disney movie, but that's okay. It was a really good movie. Uh, he said, you're leaving out some other kids baseball movies. Uh, I like The Sandlot, but how do you feel about, say, Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield? I mean, those were two campy you know what i mean like the sandlot holds up today it's not campy you don't have to hold your nose through any like it's great it's still knee splitting or or, or side splitting funny it's it's still a perfect coming of age story if you watched rookie of the year today and that scene at the end where he tries to do the like like uh, scare the guy off first base and the run it you you would roll your eyes in a way that you couldn't possibly mean. There's no way that you can compare those movies to um, to, uh, to The Sandlot. The Sandlot is perfect. Uh, by the way, just for, the, for S's and giggles, my list would be The Sandlot number one. League of Their Own is number two. I love A League of Their Own. I think it's a tremendous baseball movie. It's, it's so very high. Major League would be three on my list. Bull Durham would be four on my list. And The Natural would probably be fifth on my list. But I need to think about 42 because it wasn't one that I had considered and I actually think I might have enjoyed 42 even more than I enjoyed The Natural. So, like, it, 5 and 6 would be some combination of The Natural and 42. So i got to think about those two. Um, that would be my definitive power rankings. We'll maybe make an official list, official, official list, or maybe we'll just allow it to live in the ether um, <laughs> as we move forward. Uh, my buddy Ryan Shell got in and said, surprising to hear from Bob Nightingale that he thinks you would get a bigger haul from a Dylan Bundy trade than you would get from Manny Machado deal. Why? Why would you be surprised by that, Ryan? Um... Dylan Bundy is a super talented pitcher that I believe a lot of organizations would believe if they had their their grips on him would be performing even better than he's performed as an Oriole. And at times, he's performed really effing well as an Oriole. Um, he hasn't been as consistent as we would like, but he's had... When, when Dylan Bundy's been good, he's been 14 strikeout good. He's been brilliant. A lot of teams would say, well, we actually know what to do with pitchers in our organization, and we're in a far more pitcher-friendly park and we're not the American League East. We think if Dylan Bundy was here, he would be a, a rock star of rock stars. And you have significant team control with him versus two months of Manny Machado. It's two months that you're talking about. Two months. There's only so much you can get back for two months of any player. I don't care. And Manny Machado has been a rock star this year. He's been unbelievable. But you're still only getting him for two months. And I still would need someone to tell me who the team is. I think the Diamond... The Diamondbacks might be the best argument for the team 
that's the the most different with Manny Machado than they would be without him. The Cubs certainly it adds a boost, but the pitching's the problem. The Phillies are definitely there's no doubt the Phillies are better with Manny Machado, but are they World Series caliber? The Diamondbacks are the one team that you could try to argue to me. Maybe they have a they have no chance to win the National League. But if they had Manny Machado, maybe they'd have a chance. Like that's the team that you can make the argument for, but they're not typically the team. Remember, they got burned the one time they decided to make some moves and be bold when they went out and got Zach Greinke. And do you remember the other pitcher they went out and got that year? They no. traded for it was Shelby Miller, and they gave up Dansby Swanson to go do it. And that burned them. Yeah. Burned them big time. I don't know if they'd be willing to make such a bold move. But it's Manny Machado. I, I mean, I, hear I don't you. think he would ever burn any team. Well, not for especially when you're only talking about two months. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's one thing if you're skeptical about giving him four hundred million dollars for the next ten years, but for two months, yes, you think that you're getting Manny Machado, Manny Machado. All right, when we come back in, we will uh, one more celebration of the Sandlot before the Orioles celebrate the Sandlot this afternoon. Patrick Renna, who played Hamilton Ham Porter, will join us, and uh, we got a couple other thoughts to get to, a couple other uh, responses, people I need to respond to that have gotten in this morning. So we'll do all of that in our final segment of the Bat Around. Glenn Clark, in for Stan and Craig this morning. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts don't miss the action at royal farms arena when your baltimore brigade takes the field friday june 15th against the washington valor enjoy fun for the whole family including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire brigade team get yourself in the game for as low as 14 dollars when you visit baltimorebrigade.com today 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka looks at the final NFL draft for Ozzie Newsom as Ravens general manager and how he's built the franchise over the last two decades. Additionally, what does the future hold for UMBC after their historic NCAA tournament win over Virginia? Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Just, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Java now. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Don't miss the action at Royal Farms Arena when your Baltimore Brigade takes the field Friday, June 15th against the Washington Valor. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire Brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. It is the bat around. Glenn Clark in for Stan the Fan and Craig Heist this morning so they can go do uh, uh, fun things. Stan's down in Ocean City. Craig's doing TV and uh, getting ready for the Capitals game tonight as well as game three of the Stanley Cup final tonight in D.C. So uh, I'm pitching and helping out. Of course, you're not familiar with me. You can hear me every Monday through Friday, 10 to noon. And the uh, same locations, pressboxonline.com slash radio and on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Sports for my show, which is Glenn Clark Radio. And now we conclude our celebration, our week-long celebration of the Sandlot, which is my favorite piece of Americana ever. And we've been having a bunch of different folks who are part of it uh, on my show and now on the bat around this morning ahead of the Orioles hosting Sandlot Night tonight. I am really nervous about the weather because, God, that would be a bummer if they do all of this and then it rains. Oh, that would suck so much. But let's just pretend like that's not a possibility whatsoever uh, we've already caught up this morning with marty york who played yeah yeah and now your opportunity at again I had to do this yesterday afternoon because of his schedule but had the chance to catch up with the great hambino hamilton ham porter himself mr patrick Renault, who joins us here on the bat around well let's indeed continue to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the american classic of the sandlot that's what the orioles are doing today as they take on the yankees you can still get your tickets to uh, go down on the field after the game and then watch the movie from the outfield grass as they're going to show it on the big screen afterwards. You can still get your tickets to be a part of that. We actually had the chance to catch up with our next guest about five years ago at the 20th anniversary. I think we should just make this a regular five-year standing appearance if we can. He, of course, played the (laughs) great Hambino, Hamilton Ham Porter. It is a thrill to welcome back to the program the great Patrick Rana. Patrick, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so good to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me. I like it. I'll, uh, I'll see you in five years. Yeah, right. We'll make it a regular thing. I like it a whole heck of a lot. Dude, you know, when we, we talked so much about the nostalgia thing the last time you and I talked, and, and here we are five years later, and it's incredible to me the, the 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 love for what you guys did, the love for this piece of art 
um, just continues to grow despite the fact that we're moving further away from it. How much does it blow your mind when you guys get together? I know you've done a ton of stuff for the 25th anniversary. How much does it blow your mind that this thing, it's not dwindling. It's just getting bigger. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that it... Oops, sorry, I remember the nice, nice truck in the background. Uh, <laughs> I would definitely say it's uh, it's more nostalgic, and it, it blows my mind. I mean, you know, it's five years more nostalgic, and it, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, when you do a movie like this, you obviously hope that it's going to be great, and even at a young age, you, you hope it's going to be something special, and you kind of can feel it, but... I don't think anyone could ever expect it would be uh, something like this. This is, this is pretty crazy. No doubt about it. All right, so I've heard some things. So we've had a lot of the guys on this week. We had Marty on earlier. We had uh, David on earlier in the week. We had uh, Tom on earlier in the week. I heard that um, you, of course, are the most recognizable of anyone when you guys get together, but I hear that uh, you like to then dog them out when, when people don't recognize them and you're getting all the attention. You like to let everybody else know, hey, by the way, these are the rest of the guys from the movie. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was funny because uh, we have not all been together for a long time. I mean, this, uh, a couple, like a month to a month and a half ago is the first time at least eight of us were together. And uh, we were all at dinner and I went over to the bathroom and there was a whole group of LAPD. And, you know, they, they recognized me and then I, I brought them over to the table and they got uh, a photo that no one has ever got before. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's really special, um, man. But yeah, of course, I gotta gotta share the love with the guys, you know. That's cool, man. That's really really. I cool. I mean, Marty's probably the most unrecognizable because he's uh, the hundred pounds heavier of pure muscle. <laughs> and he's just jacked, no we, question. Yeah, we just we, he's our Hulk, you know. Okay, so when when people say, "Boy, you don't really look any different," do you say like, "Wait, really? Like, you don't actually mean that, right?" <laughs> You know, it's funny because I obviously live with myself every day, so I don't. I, it sometimes boggles my mind when I look at photos of me then and look at photos of me now that it it still that people do recognize. But because uh, I guess it's a little different for me, you know, I I don't see it, but uh, people definitely constantly remind me that uh, it is still there. Do you think part of that, too, is you've done so much since then? Like, do you think that part of it is that, that they that they recognize you, but it's in part because they've been watching you for the last 25 years? You know, that's probably a pretty good point. Um, I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, like, I, you know, I think that if it had been 25 years since I did anything, right? they might not, you know, they might not recognize me, but because I've been in other things, it's probably, wait, how do I know that guy? Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> so, um, all right, I asked Marty this one, and I regret not asking some of the other guys this week. I'm fascinated to know, 25 years later, what did you keep, Patrick Rand, and What do you have from the set, from filming, that, like, it matters to you, you cherish it, or did you not, you know, 25 years ago, realize how special this thing was going to be, and you say, damn it, I really wish I would have kept more? So you're asking me, what did I steal? Yes, exactly. <laughs> what have I stolen? I cannot tell you. That, oh, no. God, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, I think we all have baseball, which is pretty great. That the whole cast and crew sign. So that's kind of a special one to me. I still have that baseball in it. 
you know, it has the entire cast, the director, a bunch of crew, and um, I have it in my son's room on a little display case. That's cool. I'll give it to him someday. Uh, and then, you know, there I have some baseball cards that were uh, that were pretty cool. Um, they were like reproduced for the movie, and uh, so there's stuff like that. And then there, they they gave us these shoe boxes full of like paraphernalia and different like mini bats and hats and trading cards and baseball cards and all sorts of stuff like that. And I kept a bunch of that stuff. So it's fun because I have a whole box and it's just labeled Sandlot. I mean, honestly, even to me, the shooting script is great. Like, yeah. you know, because when you film a movie, it starts, the pages all start out white. And then every day or every, you know, few days, the writer makes adjustments. And by the end of a, a film shoot, the script is, you know, a rainbow of colors. So, uh, you'll, you can always tell a real shooting script because it has 20 different colors for all the different, uh, you know, revisions. Right, did. right. And so I still have that, and that's pretty cool. And so there's, there's things like that, you know. That's cool, man. That's really cool. He's Patrick Renna. You, of course, know him as Hamilton Ham Porter from the Sandlot. He's with us here on the Bat Around. Uh, Patrick, I did not know until recently you were the last one cast uh, for that role, and and they had actually already kind of gone out to to start beginning things, and and you had to kind of catch up. How can you take me back to that? And you know, here you are. I think you were like thirteen years old at the time, right? Like, and having to to kind of cram, I guess, the way that you had to cram in order to make this thing happen. Yeah, it's true. I uh, I I won an audition for it, and they they had eight people cast, and they actually were switching around some roles, like. I think someone, and maybe even it was Marty, or someone was maybe possibly going to play Ham, and then they kind of switched him to Yeah, Yeah, and then they switched a few other guys. But, uh, so by the end of it, there were eight people, and they were all locked in, and they didn't have my role. And so I was like a, a recast, not a recast, but a, a, a last-minute cast. And I went in and auditioned and met the director, and it went great. And instead of hiring me... Uh, the like I think I probably had two auditions or something. I only remember one, so it's quite possible I only went in once. But instead of just straight hiring me, they brought me. They said we're going to bring you to meet all the guys, and you're going to play some ball with them. And realize you don't have the job yet. You got to show that you get along with them, and you know we want to make sure you can, you know, you, you at least have some semblance of baseball talent right. come on we all know that i'm probably the best so <laughs> that was a that was a no-brainer uh but you know then i had to get to meet the guys and of course we all did get along and they were all great and welcomed me in but it was a little funny because i was showing up to a movie with all these actors and all these other kids and they already all had it right and uh but i think we all hit it off so well that they you know they all kind of welcomed me in and and then i uh then i booked it not every insult was in the script is that correct that is yeah you know the originally the back and forth scene with the bully team was written for benny but through the court we were already well into filming by the time we were going to shoot that scene so through the course of filming i think everyone's characters got really defined and benny sort of became the legend a little bit i 
I don't even know that originally he was supposed to be as cool as he became. Wow. When you think of the cool legend, it's Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yeah. So the director looked at it, and I sort of became the protector loudmouth. And, you know, they obviously were written that way, but we really, we really flushed it out that I think he went, this scene's wrong for Benny. Benny's, Benny's the guy that includes everyone who'd never get in this fight. However, Ham, <laughs> on the other hand, he would talk some smack, you know? So uh, that, that morning, they knocked on my dressing room or whatever we were in and said, you're going to do this. So I had to kind of cram for it day of, and we had a great time. And then the following scene, which is when we actually played the team, all of that was improv. I was in the, in the, uh, I was behind the batter's box and, uh, the director was in a dugout with a bullhorn and he would just shout insults at me <laughs> for me to recite. <laughs> so, you know, you can imagine our, our sort of coach, our, our idol, David Mickey Evans, screaming, okay, uh, tell him I'm going to, you know, is that your sister out there in left field? And I'd have to, you know, collect myself, stop laughing a little bit, and then I'd have to rip him with this new insult. And, you know, if your dog was, dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and teach him to walk backwards. You know, it probably took me a good 30 seconds to... Get my uh, get my stuff together to be able to say it. You know, like, where does it even come from, man? It's so great. I, well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I think he probably the night before, you know, had a beer in the hotel lobby with a right in front of his, and they just cracked themselves up and came up with the worst insult ever. Well, but okay, so but I also <laughs> they heard also have to be somewhat PG, right? For kids, I get, and that's the thing. It's it, it's an incredibly yeah. delicate line to walk, and I was wondering because I heard that you guys on set were regaling yourselves with your mom jokes and it made me wonder if like he was maybe listening to some of the things that he was hearing from you to then try to incorporate that into the insult scene probably you know probably i think uh i think yeah we were we all all just talked so much trash to each other on that movie <laughs> i mean come on it was nine nine thirteen twelve thirteen fourteen year old right you know getting uh having the time of their lives playing baseball and there definitely were plenty of your mama jokes yeah oh no it makes plenty but of we stuff. never went too far you know right. you never you never uh told mike vitar brandon adams you never went too far on the your mama jokes <laughs> too, you know i totally understand and i'm that. sure no one went too far with me you know yeah oh. number three out of that <laughs> in, the, in the hierarchy of uh the sandlot filming so okay, explain that. Like, is that the quality, baseball quality? How did you how, how did you determine hierarchy? Well, listen. I think Mike Vitar was the leader on and off. Yeah, he he was he played he played high school ball. After that, he was definitely the best baseball right, player. Right, right. Uh, I like to think of myself as the second best uh, player. I probably played the most. There could be some disagreement there. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely willing to put my money where my mouth is. Though. So if any <laughs> other Sandlot guys want to challenge me, except Mike, I, I accept. Uh, and then I would say Brandon Adams, you know, one of the older ones, probably was the coolest of all of us, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so I, I think us three were the, the sort of older guys. Um, but, you know, Shanti, I mean, that guy had already filmed probably 35 films. So he knew a thing or two about a thing or two already. So, you know. Everyone had their their special their special personality they lent to the team, and you know I think the one that was the most different was Marty though. He because he was 
really young and he was scrawny and he was, you know, he was this skinny, adorable kid. And now he's just like, if anyone's going to mess with the Sandlot team, we'll put Marty York right there in the front as the first line of defense. So yeah, Patrick Ren is with us another couple of minutes as we're talking about the Sandlot, the Orioles celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Sandlot with the Sandlot night tonight at Camden Yards. Um, Patrick, one of the other things that, that I've heard is that you guys, um, you know, the, the close nature of your group and how that ended up, I, I think, making the movie so much. And this is where I get nerdy, right? Because this is where I remind you that I am a complete over-the-moon fan of this film, and I watch it every year on the 4th of July. I'm a P1. I'm the obsessive guy that you get sick of dealing with when you when you see them wherever it is that you see these people. <laughs> um, but the the way that you all were so close, and I've, I've heard a couple guys talk about it as really being the best summer ever, and, and that friendship that you felt, I truly feel as though that, now knowing that sort of separated this movie from other coming-of-age films, like it really came across. And did you sense that the first time that you watched the movie? You know, God, that's a hard question to answer because the the things that I looked for in the movie were a bit different um, than probably what other people saw in it. And I, honestly, I've probably seen the movie maybe five times total. Wow. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, the I snuck into one screening of it, and I when I knew that it was going to be a good movie was I watched all the way through the squint scene and with the lifeguard. Yep. And when he kisses the lifeguard, I have never seen an audience laugh more except I think maybe in home alone. Yeah. And I remember watching home alone and people just lost it, but people were buckling over slapping knees, slapping the ground, like going nuts. And I've never seen an audience do that. And there were a couple moments in the movie that got that sort of response. And uh, I think that's when I knew, wow, this is, this is going to be a good, this is, this is going to do well. But as far as like feeling the nostalgia and things like that, honestly, I don't think that I've even felt the nostalgia until probably the 20th. Like wow. that's the first time that I really went, oh, whoa. I mean, I've grown up with it and I've lived with it. And people, you know, throughout the years have come up to me and, you know, being still recognizable from it i i do get it a lot but i don't think you i I didn't even realize it until the 20th you know wow how much it really meant to people okay so just because it it, when you meet mike trout and he's like yeah i'm a huge fan you're like oh okay mike i'm maybe a bigger (laughs) fan but thanks you know like right or you meet like big poppy and dustin pedroia and you know just i mean we're gonna go to the the Dodger game soon, and uh, you know Justin Turner said he dressed up as me for Halloween, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to dress up as Justin Turner for Halloween next year. Like, you know, that's the kind of stuff that Kobe Bryant's tweeting out about how him and his girls are watching The Sandlot, and they watch it every Fourth of July, just like you said. And that's when you start to go, oh, whoa, yeah, okay, kind of a big deal. There's something here. It's kind of a big deal, yeah, man. It's like, kind of a big deal. But you don't realize it until then, because it's a little different for us. And, you know, when I, when I had that real nostalgic moment was when I saw them all for the first time about two months ago on a baseball field in LA. Yeah. And I was the second, the second one there. And we were, it was such a huge field and they would sort of appear from the end of the uh, football field and they would walk and it was like a misty day. It was magical. 
and I saw each new one come, and Tom Guyrie Smalls, and then Chauncey. That's when it hit me pretty big. I, I could have just started crying like a baby. It was so cool, you know? Wow, man. Wow, that's special. Uh, you know, you mentioned people recognizing you. When someone yells out to you, you're killing me, Smalls. Do you do you immediately want to punch them, or do you have more of like, a, you know what? I appreciate the fact that they still care. I think it's more of I appreciate the fact. That okay, they still all right. Care. I mean, all right. It's you know, if it's gonna be one or the other, I think it's that. Obviously, <laughs> I'm human, and everyone has their moments. So maybe if uh, right. you know, I'm not having the best day, or you know, sometimes <laughs> it, you know. So I apologize in advance if I'm not uh, as you know, if I'm human once in a while, but I would say 99% of the time it's uh, it's the, the latter. It's the wow. I mean, come on, you know, how can you, how can that not be flattering? That's that's what we all do it for. And that's the, actors, the, the, you know? there, there will be actors who will go their entire lives, their entire careers, and they'll accomplish a lot of things, but they'll yep. never have anything that will be this beloved and this, it will mean yep. this much to this many people. Yeah, exactly. So I think, and I, I, you know, I've noticed that about all the guys from the movie that, you know, all the other, the other seven that are, are doing this 25th, they all have that same view and they're all, they're all so nice to people and they're so you know, respectful and they're humbled by it. And so it's cool. You ever had an awkward moment where you went somewhere and like someone offered you a s'more like non-ironically, like they didn't they didn't think about what they were doing, and you were like, "Dude, you're killing me." <laughs> um, I don't know that I've had that. Okay, you know, you're <laughs> killing me. Smalls isn't a line that I necessarily say. Right. So it's funny because it's uh, it's different for me. Like I I would never. Hey, you're killing me, Smalls. You know, it's funny, though. Okay, so Marty admitted that sometimes he accidentally drops yeah, yeah, and doesn't even think about it. He did it once during our interview. Like, he just, in response... Did he? Yeah, and he like, didn't even think about it. I told him, he's like, oh, my God, I've done it a million times in my life. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll say you're killing me once in a while, but I, I've never said you're killing me, Smalls. Okay, all right. All right. That, 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 would, that, would, that would take a lot to forget <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Hey, Patrick, before I let you go, um, since we do sports here, yeah. you're involved with the second season of Glow? Yeah, I Dude. am. I'm, uh, I have a couple episode arc on, uh, on the second season coming out, I think, the 29th of June. How killer was that, man? Oh, it was awesome. It was great. I mean, you know, I, I joke because Ham at the end of Sandlot becomes a wrestler. Right. And uh, he has the, the famous line, you play ball like a girl. And, of course, now I'm on a <laughs> wrestling show with a bunch of ladies that probably could all beat the absolute uh, living heck out of me, you know? So I'm getting my comeuppance for, uh, for talking smack at 13. Dude, that's all. that show is so great, by the way. The entire first season is tremendous. Oh, it is. I, I hadn't seen it, and when I when I booked the job, my wife and I binge watched it, and we couldn't get over it. It the girls are so talented, and the guys, Mark Marin is incredible. So my, uh, you know, it's just such a talented cast and such funny writing my, that it was really an honor to be on it. My buddy Kevin was the. Um He's a wrestler, and he was, uh, you know, one of the guys that got a cameo in the first season. He was um, the 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 one that she hooked up with after she went to the wrestling show the one night, and he was just talking about it forever and forever. He's going on, and I'm like, as soon as I saw him, I was so mad that I didn't get more. I'm like, dude, you you needed like five more episodes. You killed it. You know what I mean? Like, I was so infuriated right. that he didn't get more out of it. That's awesome, man. I'm thrilled for you, Patrick. I, I know it's at Patrick yeah, Renna. 
on Twitter. What is there anything else we can plug for you? Yeah. Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, at Patrick Renna on Instagram and uh, uh, at the re- at real Patrick Renna on Facebook. I okay, just started Facebook. I know it's terrible. I'm so behind the times, but. Uh, at Patrick Run on the other two. Very cool, man. And check out the season two of Glow, which, as he mentioned, is coming out at the end of the month on Netflix. Dude, uh, seriously, uh, we'll make a plan for five years from now. We'll do it again, and hopefully before then, if we could. Um, I can't tell you how much yeah, it, the, I can't tell you how much this movie meant to me, man. And thank you uh, for taking the time for us again. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. The Great Hambino, how ironic. At the end of the Sandlot, he becomes a, a pro wrestler, and now he's going to be a wrestler on Glow on Netflix, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Patrick Renna, uh, really enjoyed that conversation. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning here on the Bat Around. And, like, holy crap, we're almost done. Like, I know, it flew by. Is it that always this quick? On, on For some reason, it feels like my show goes forever. And this show just feels like you're in, you're out, you know, you're making plans, going to get brunch. Like, yeah, what the right. hell's going on? I got to try to squeeze in. Unfortunately, the rain actually looks like it's really going to come at like four o'clock, which just sucks. Yeah, that's it's when supposed the, to be right about start time. Yeah. Um, so I think I might be able to squeeze in some tennis beforehand, which is good news for me, but not good news for anybody who's going to the game. I really hope that it ends up uh, holding off and that not only do you get the game in, but also everybody can watch the movie afterwards and what a special day it should be, other than the baseball. And other than the weather, really just the movie. Just the movie is really all I'm talking about. And the chance for you to go down on the field and watch it, which is really, really cool. That's uh, that's a neat thing. All right. Uh, also going on today, if you're not going to the Orioles game, I would encourage you to witness the first ever game in the Women's Professional Lacrosse League as the Baltimore Brave take on the Philadelphia Fire before the Chesapeake Bayhawks face off against the defending MLL champion Ohio Machine. You can still get tickets right now at thebayhawks.com or you can just head down to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in order to get your tickets for the doubleheader, which gets underway uh, late afternoon, and then the Bayhawks play tonight in Annapolis. So, And they'll play no matter if it's raining or not because uh, lacrosse not quite the same as baseball. They, obviously, if it's lightning and you know things like that, they can't play then. But uh, rain will not prevent those games from uh, being played down in Annapolis. Uh, Stan and Craig will be back next Saturday. Uh, Stan will be on his way back from the beach a little bit later on today, so I have to assume he'll be stopping by Big Bats. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar at 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to and from the eastern shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Plus, it's a great place to watch the O's or the Nats or, like tonight, uh, if you're looking for somewhere to watch Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final, where else would you want to be but Big Bats in Stevensville? It's simply the best bar grub because they've got the sandwiches, the salads, the soups, the subs. It's all there at Big Bats in Stevensville. Check them out on your way to or from the beach. Brittany, thank you so much for your hard work this morning. Yeah, thank you for coming in, doing um, the show. Don't forget tomorrow morning, the Fantasy and Reality Football Show with uh, Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick, and Kyle Ottenheimer. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of hubbub this week in uh, local sports about the MIAA football situation. So nobody wants to play against St. Francis any longer. St. Francis's co-head coach, Henry Russell, is going to be joining the crew tomorrow morning on the Fantasy and Reality Football Show, so you want to be listening in for that to hear what he has to say about uh, what has been quite the hot topic in Baltimore sports this week. Oh, man, I don't know what just happened there. 
Come on, we're almost Jeez, done, Glenn. Finish out strong. I'm in an hour and 58 minutes, <laughs> and all of a sudden I just gave up. Christ. Wow. Um, I will be back with you on Monday morning for Glenn Clark Radio with you every Monday through Friday, glennclarkradio.com, or, of course, these same places, pressboxonline.com slash radio or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Those are the ways that you can check out the show. If you missed anything from today's show, Brittany will get it up a little bit later on today or shortly, very shortly. You'll be able to hear all of it. Uh, thanks to Bob Nightingale from USA Today for joining us. Thanks to Rich Dubroff, Pressbox Orioles beat writer, and uh, two more stars of uh, The Sandlot. Thanks to Marty York, who was Yeah Yeah, and of course to Patrick Renna, who you know is Hamilton Ham Porter. So we will get all of that up if you missed anything from today's show. Well, that's that. There We're you done. go. It's over. Just like that. Uh, by all means, if the Orioles wanted to win a game a day, that would just be swell. That yeah, would just if be, they play. Yeah, if they play, correct. That would be a swell thing. Uh, appreciate all of you for uh, getting in as well this morning and joining us for another edition of the Bat Around. Stan and Craig will be back with you next Saturday for them. And for Brittany, I'm Glenn. Hope you enjoyed today's show. <laughs>